Hey, welcome to Rockbridge. My name is Matt, one of the pastors on our team, and just want to thank you so much. Those of you that are joining us online, thank you for being there. Thank you for being one of our six physical locations. We're one church, multiple languages, multiple locations, and just excited, believing that you are here listening, not by accident, that God's got something for you. So a couple of weeks ago, we started a new series called The Second Mile, and, and last week, we really got underneath this uh, analogy that Jesus gives from Matthew 5 in the Sermon on the Mount, verse 41. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. And we got underneath that and we said, hey, that was uh, an incredibly challenging, incredible, uh, inc hard command of Jesus, if you will, because he's referencing a Roman law where the Jews were held in captivity or under Roman occupation and Roman soldiers could force you to carry their pack for a thousand paces or about a mile. And, and Jesus is saying, hey, with your enemy who forces you to do what the law says you must do, go above and beyond, go, go the extra mile. And, and so this is loving our enemies. This is doing more than it's expected. And you're doing it because that's what it looks like to represent Jesus. And, and so we're going to bump up in, and when we read that, we said last week, it's easy for us to kind of edit this part of Christianity out, like go to heaven when you die, check, I'll have that. Uh, go the second mile with someone I don't like, I don't want any of that. And we sort of kind of, we said we do it like the, uh, the golden corral, you know, you want the steak or the meatloaf, but the stuff that looks like your dog throws up when it eats grass, you don't want any of that, right? And we sort of pick and choose the parts of the Bible or the parts of Jesus that we go with. So today we're going to wrestle with, okay, how do we actually do this if we believe that Jesus knows what he's talking about, right, that he's authoritative? Now, let's, let's zoom out and, and let's kind of forget about, you know, Bible stuff and, and Christian stuff, and let's just talk about life uh, more broadly and in general. Isn't it true, though, that the, the best goes down a road called hard? I mean, isn't it true that if you went and asked, a couple who has the best marriage you know. And you say, hey, tell me some stuff that's happened. They would say, hey, it's not always been easy. We've had to work at it. We've had to do some hard things, right? If you watch like the NBA playoffs, if you're watching kind of the whole NFL draft thing and you're seeing these are the best athletes, you know, and you got in underneath and got involved in their story, they say, hey, it wasn't always easy. We had to do some hard things. People that have started their own business, people that have lost a bunch of weight, people that have uh, gone through a, a tough illness. I mean, everybody that got to the other side and everybody that advanced, you know, they would say, hey, it went through. So great things, good things, the best often goes through hard. So let's not just dismiss Jesus' teaching about life on the second mile and becoming and being a second miler. Let's not dismiss it because it's hard for us in our context or hard to imagine that we could ever be second milers. Now, but let's embrace the tension though. And so there's a guy named Bertrand Russell. He actually raised a Christian and he became an atheist later on in life. He is a British philosopher. Listen to what he says. And it's really related to the second mile command, loving our enemies, going the second mile, going above and beyond. The Christian principle of love your enemies is good. There is nothing to be said against it, except that it is too difficult for most of us to practice sincerely. All right, so here you have an atheist saying it's too difficult. 
And I think this is kind of where a lot of us would be like, yeah, I agree that parts of the Bible, parts of the Sermon on the Mount, parts of following Jesus, that, you know, that maybe it's for a special class of people like those people that got drafted this weekend in the NFL uh, or, or are going to get drafted like those people in the NBA playoffs. But for most of us, it's just too difficult. And, and so you have this atheist saying this, and then you have the Apostle John under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit who says this. This is how we know that we love God's children when we love God and obey his commands. For this is what the love of God is, to keep his commands. So when I love God, because he's first loved me, Jesus died for me, Jesus died instead of me, the gospel of Jesus paying the sin debt for me hits my heart, invades my heart, so I'm loved by God while I'm a sinner, and, I, and I, that love invades me. That was part one of the message series, second mile. That love invades me. I want to love God back. Loving God back is to keep his commands. Keeping his commands includes not some of them, but all of them. So it includes the second mile. So I'm going to obey God's commands. I love for God. And then I get this. And his commands are not a burden. Because everyone who has been born of God conquers the world. This is the victory that has conquered the world our faith, our trust, our dependence in Jesus. So here's John, a biblically inspired, Holy Spirit inspired author saying these commands are not a burden. And here's an atheist who says they're too difficult. And let's just be honest, most of us agree with the atheist, don't we? Most of us agree with the atheist that second mile is for some, but not for all Christians. That second mile is maybe too difficult for most of us and we probably more likely to believe what an atheist said than what someone under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit said the word of God said that his commands are not a burden. So how do we go and understand and embrace second mile living, following Jesus, being a student, a disciple of Jesus as not a burden? So it's sort of like this, okay? Let me give an illustration, all right? <clears throat> so everybody's probably seen one of these. Maybe most people have lifted one of these. So it's a dumbbell right? Most people, maybe you, you can, it's 20 pounds. So most people here, I, I'm going to assume, can probably lift 20 pounds. Uh, so if, if I were to say, hey, lift that weight or lift it over your head or move this weight from here to there, and you walked up to this and was like, okay, and, and, and you just tried to grab it and like palm it and carry it like, you know, 100 feet like this, you know, you might get it off the table, you might get a little bit, but sooner or later, your hands are, I mean, you're about, man, it's just too hard. It's just too burdensome. And we would say, no, 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 it's not, it's not that, the, 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 what I asked you to do is too burdensome. It's how you're doing it is the problem. And that's the difference. If we're to embrace a life of following Jesus onto the second mile, if we are to truly understand that his commands are not a burden, then we have to understand how to obey these commands in, in such a way that they're not a burden and that they bring life and they bring a reflection of Jesus. So if I'm trying to carry the weight like this and palming it, man, that's hard. But if I grab it by the handle and I carry it this way, man, that's not really a burden, okay? So that's the perspective change 
that we have to open ourselves up to so we can embrace second mile living. We can embrace that we can love our enemies and it not be a burden. We can keep the golden rule and it not be a burden. We can do the things that Christ followers do and be the kind of people that Christ followers are created to be and filled with the Holy Spirit to become and it not be a burden if we know how to do it. So for that, love for us to look at one of my favorite passages that Jesus taught, Matthew's gospel again, chapter 11. We'll start in verse 25, Matthew 11:25. At that time, Jesus said, and at this time, Jesus is under a lot of criticism, people, the religious leaders questioning him, even like his protege, his cousin, his forerunner, John the Baptist, is, who's in prison, has had some questions about him. So he says, At this time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent. Now, now he's not talking about that in the sense of, man, this person has book smarts, just does well in school, this person. He's talking really about people who think they have it all together, kind of prideful maybe be the better or or a more broader term to use, and revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, because this was your good pleasure. So what he's talking about here is the people who are receptive to the revelation of God, receptive to the life God wants to give us. And remember at Rockbridge, our mission statement, to glorify God by connecting people from all walks of life to life in Christ. So he's saying the people that are open to life in Christ, the people who are receptive to life in the kingdom of God, which is a second mile life, those people are not wise and intelligent, have their acts all together. They're babies, they're infants, they're little children. And it was God's good pleasure to set it up this way. These are the people that get in on the best life there is, which is life in Christ, life connected to Christ, life following Christ. What's better than believing in God is following Jesus, the son of God. So these people are more like infants. And and so what is he saying there? Infants, you know, they know they need food. They can't feed themselves, so they ask for help in the infant kind of way, right? Infants need to be carried. Infants need to be taught. Infants need to have their diapers changed. They are dependent. They don't, they know what they don't know and they have no problem asking mom and dad for it. So what's Jesus teaching about getting to the kingdom life, the life in Christ, getting the second mile? He's telling us where the starting line is. The starting line for the second mile is I can't. Infant-like. I can't feed myself, but I'm hungry. So what do we do? We cry and mom or dad comes. Infant-like. The starting line for the second mile is I can't. So in your life and my life, the starting line is when when you think about what God says about marriage or God says about money or God says about managing anger and disappointment and, and God says about so many different things where you're tempted to agree with the atheist. It's just too hard. It's just too difficult. The starting point is to say, God, I don't know how to pick it up. I can't pick it up. And Jesus wants to look at us and say, but I'll teach you how to carry it in a way that is life giving as we get to the second mile. He continues in verse 27. He says, all things have been entrusted to me by my father. So the son of God is speaking about father God and talking about the authority that he has. He's a king. He's, he's a teacher. They called him rabbi. 
He's a friend. He's a counselor. He's the Messiah, the Savior. But he's also talking about his authority as a king. No one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son desires to reveal to him, reveal him to. So the Son, he's already told us who he reveals the kingdom to. He reveals the kingdom to people who say they can't, people who are infant-like. So he's giving the condition. He's not saying God's up there doing any, many, mighty, mo. You're in, you're not in. He's saying the way to get in is to say, I can't. The way to get in is to come to Jesus. I can't save myself. I can't do marriage, Jesus, the way it was meant to be done. I, I can't figure this out. I can't do it. I can't. And, and Jesus is like, okay, now come on in. And we'll see the, a more explicit invitation a couple of verses later. So what does this do for us as we're saying, okay, how do I carry the weight? How do I do the commands of Christ? How do I get to the second mile in a way that's not a burden? Well, the first thing is say we can't. The second is we need to embrace the authority of Jesus. That Jesus actually knows what he's talking about. Listen, most of us will look at Jesus when we come to the end of all of our resources most of us will look at Jesus when it comes to the whole life after death thing. But how many of us look at Jesus and recognize he has the authority, he has the knowledge, he has the wisdom to live the best kind of life, the way life was meant to be lived before we told God, I don't need you and I'll do it my way. See, I really think most of us are like, I don't need Jesus to run my business. I don't need Jesus to help me be a dad or a mom or a husband or a wife. I don't need Jesus. I'm just going down to the store. I don't need Jesus. I've just got to go get a paycheck today. And, and, and that limits us. And we start taking areas of our lives where we could be on the second mile reflecting Jesus. And we're just on the first mile. And so we have to see his authority to teach us the best way of being a human being, the best way of being us. <coughs> Excuse me. And then when we embrace that authority, now we're prepared to hear and receive the invitation. And here, here it is. So beautiful. One of the great verses of the entire Bible. Jesus says, come to me. All of you who are weary and burdened. And now he's just said, or first, and John has said, following Christ, obeying Christ is not a burden. So I want you to come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, because you're not following Christ, or you're not carrying it the way it's supposed to be carried. And I will give you, Jesus, rest. And that, that's not like, I'm going to let you sleep 10 hours and sleep in in the morning. Well, that's not what he's talking about. That's not biological rest. Everybody here today roughly needs the same amount of sleep. You know, what, six to eight hours, something like that? So he's not talking about that. He's talking about a deeper, more abiding sense of peace and joy and well-being. So, so here it is. Let's read it again. Come to me. That's an invitation. And it's not... Any, many, mighty, mo. It's not come to me because you got your act together, you got your life together. It's come to me like an infant, like a child, because you are weary and burdened. You know you can't. 
You know Jesus can. You know Jesus knows how. You embrace his authority, and he says, I'll give you rest. So we have to recognize that we cannot get to the second mile. This is so key. Unless we have been with Jesus, unless we've been and are being with Jesus, come to me, right, in some kind of transformational way. This is not coming to church and just hoping you get some information or insight or some inspiration. This is being with Jesus in a transformational way where you're going to learn from him the, 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 the right way to carry it, to do it, okay? Other piece that we have to recognize is that doing it our way or not Jesus' way is actually what creates the burden or brings the burden and creates the weariness. So because I've done marriage, maybe the way it was done in front of me by my parents, but it wasn't the way of Jesus, that's what's creating the burden. That's what's creating the, 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 the weariness. Because I'm pursuing an identity the way the world tells me to pursue an identity, that's what's creating the burden. That's what's bringing and, 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 and the, the weariness to my soul, right? Because I view money as so essential to my happiness, every month is stress city, but I am not doing it the way of Jesus. And we've got to recognize that. We have to recognize that. The most peaceful, perfectly happy human being on the planet was King Jesus. And he's inviting us to what? Come to him. Verse 29, he, he expounds, he elaborates on this even more. And here's how he says it. And he takes an agricultural reference to how oxen were yoked together and, and hitched to the plow. And he says, take my yoke and learn from me. And then a beautiful, incredible, self-effacing description of the alpha and the omega. Because I am lowly and humble in heart. I'm not a domineering drill sergeant, dictator. I'm humble, I'm lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your bodies. No, you'll find rest for your souls. Now, now listen, this is incredible because when you say a yoke is an instrument of responsibility. Yoke is an instrument of labor. Yoke is an instrument of, hey, we do have things to do. We do have things to get done. We do have a second mile to get onto. So when Jesus is promising rest for our souls, it's not like you get to go to, it's not, he's not talking about taking you on a cruise where you have nothing to do because everything's done for you. He's not talking about escaping because you binged on Netflix for eight hours and forgot about all your problems. He's talking about as you live right now in a fallen, broken world, taking the yoke of being a second miler, learning from him how to get to the second mile because he's a good teacher and he's lowly and humble in heart and doing it Jesus' way brings rest for your souls. So here we go. Jesus is not relieving us of second mile responsibility. We still got to pick it up. We still got to lift it. He just wants to show us the right way to do it, to get to the second mile. So he's not relieving us of second mile responsibility. Isn't it crazy that that's what our view of peace is? Let me just go collect seashells on the beach for the rest of my life after I retire. 
That's our view of rest. That's not Jesus' view. Jesus' view of rest involves a yoke, involves a life that's true and abundant life on the second mile, reflecting him, showing the world what he's like, enjoying him, being loved by him. His commands are not a burden. Jesus is inviting us, though, to come and learn, to come to him and learn and to have rest at the level of our soul. So let's stop for a minute. How do I spend time with Jesus? And I'm not talking, I read the Bible, I listen to worship music. That's all important. But sometimes we spend time with Jesus and it's a check in the box. It's a religious duty. I came to church today, read the Bible a little bit today, prayed before I went to sleep, check. Sometimes a lot, of, a lot of people come to church and they just want some information and knowledge that's more like curiosity. It's almost like a Google search because you're curious about how something works, even though it doesn't really affect your life in one bit. But you're just sort of like, oh, man, that's so cool. Have you ever, you know, <coughs> do you think the locust in Revelation, that's the Apache helicopter? I'm like, I don't know, and I don't really care. But that's kind of cool, right? There's a lot of Christians who are just these like weird rabbit hole Christians. They want to chase rabbits down these holes that have no, don't get us to the second mile. So how do I spend time with Jesus? Maybe I'm just trying to get something from Jesus. It's okay. I mean, he's a, he's a giver. He's, that's his nature. Maybe I'm training to become like Jesus. And that's where we're at. Come to me. I'll give you rest and learn. Learn. And then he reemphasizes what we started the, the whole message today with. For my yoke that you're going to hitch up to is easy and my burden is light. And we're over here, you know, trying to lift the, uh, trying to palm the weight like a basketball or hold it like a baseball. I'm like, no, it's not easy. Just, no, learn from me how to carry the weight, the yoke of his teachings, of, of his life of being a second miler. So there's a couple of things. If, if it seems hard and heavy, hard and heavy, got to ask some questions. Am I actually carrying the yoke of Jesus' teachings? Am I actually carrying the life that he wants for me? And sometimes we carry yokes that we weren't supposed to carry. Like Jesus has, has taken responsibility for providing salvation for us for providing forgiveness for us. So if we're trying to, you know, relieve a guilty conscience, Jesus has said, my blood does that. Have faith in my blood. Don't carry that. If we're trying to prove ourselves, make a name for ourselves, achieve an identity, Jesus is like, no, 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 I've already done that for you. I adopted you and I call you my sons. I call you my daughters. So don't carry that. So make sure it's the yoke of life in Christ. And then, have I come to Jesus to really learn? To me, this is one of the great barriers that we face. Because I think a lot of us come to Jesus to get through something. We come to Jesus because the calendar says at this day, at this hour, at this time of the year, you should come to church. I think a lot of us come to Jesus, but we don't really come to Jesus to learn how to be a dad how to be an employee or an employer. But that's the invitation. Come to me and learn. 
and learn. So, some handlebars for us today. First, we need to understand who we are is always prior to what we do. That's the flow inside the kingdom. The world says what you do determines who you are. Christ, the kingdom of Jesus, who we are is prior to what we do. So we're infants learning, dependent upon Jesus. So here's where this comes up, okay? Here's where this is important. If you're here today and, and, and you know there's an area of your life, right, where it's just not working, okay, you have to say, who am I in that area? Am I an infant? Am I willing to admit I can't? Or am I just saying, well, this is the only thing I know how to do. This is what I saw done. This is how society says. This is what I saw in a Hallmark movie, whatever. We have to come to Christ as that infant. The starting line for the second mile is those two words that are so hard for most Americans and for probably all men to say, which is, I can't. Number two, let's ask ourselves, what kind of relationship with Jesus do I currently and do I really have? I know about Jesus. I know I need a savior. Absolutely. Because we can't save ourselves. Can't be good enough. Good people don't go. Forgiven people, saved people, adopted sons and daughters, right? But am I really learning from Jesus? And let me tell you a test that I, that I kind of put on myself. When's the last time you changed how you do something because Jesus taught you how to do it his way? When's the absolute last time you have, you've, you've, you've changed in character, in action, in ethics, in attitude, in mindset because you learned a different way because you learned from Jesus? It's the last time. Not you learned some Bible fact you'd never heard before, but you learned from Jesus how to be a dad and you stopped doing something and started doing something. You learned from Jesus how to handle money. You learn from Jesus where your true identity, affirmation, and approval comes from. And so you stop worrying so much about what they say, right? When's the last time? And that'll tell you the kind of relationship with Jesus you currently have. Jesus invites us to come as students, the learners, and followers, and worshipers of him. Number three, what makes us weary and burdened is not the things we do, but it's the things we believe. Remember when I read 1 John 4, it says the victory comes from our faith, our trust, what we're leaning in, believing and trusting upon. And so part of taking the yoke of Jesus and getting rid of bad yokes is we have to be willing to say, man, what do I really believe about this? Or what do I really believe? And, some, and most of the time, our, our burden is connected to what we're believing. And, and so for some of us, we have to, what, what all of us have to do is every age, every time, every season has a spirit about it. And, and so sometimes the spirit of the age is materialism, the spirit of the age. Like I think there's a lot of people in culture right now because the age, the spirit of the age is suspicion and cynicism toward everyone and everybody. 
We don't give anybody the benefit of the doubt. We assume they're trying to get us or we assume there's something sinister or wrong. You see it in politics. It's all over social media. So it affects relationships. It affects marriage. The spirit of the age is cynicism. And as soon as you kind of buy into that and start believing suspicious things about anyone and everyone, you're not going to go to the second mile. And, and so, you, you, why am I always just so doubtful? Why am I always so fidgety? Why am I always so nervous? Why am I always feel like somebody's about to get me or something bad's about to happen to me? It's what you're believing. And you've been discipled not by Jesus, but by the spirit of the age. So, it might be helpful if we threw up some bad beliefs and or wrong methods. So if there's something we're believing, it's creating a burden or there's a wrong method, meaning I believe the way to carry this weight is kind of the same way I would carry a baseball. Well, man, that's going to cause some problems. Let's carry it the right way, right? So, so that's, this, that's what we're talking about. Let me just let me throw some up. This is not comprehensive. It's just to help us get to thinking. What they say or they think is most important. Everybody's got a they. Don't we? And, and when we give they the weight of God, we're going to be a carrying a burden that's not of God. Over-importance and emphasis on material and worldly things. If you are stressed about your second home, you need to stop. If you own two homes and you're stressed about the second one, you need to stop. Okay? If we're stressed about things that will not survive the second coming of Jesus, that's not a burden. We need to be careful. That's a bad belief. And that's why we're stressed and don't have rest. But that's coming from belief. But it's coming from the spirit of the age, which says the more you have, the better you are. We're our Savior says, if you have me, you have enough. Jesus plus nothing still equals everything. Wrong expectations and wrong beliefs. Some of us believe Jesus has promised things, God has promised things. We're entitled to things that we aren't entitled to or that Jesus never promised. I think so many people, we get caught up in speculations and conspiracy theories and we work ourselves up into a lather of anger or angst or confusion, or suspicion. We're told in the Word, word of God to have nothing to do with these kind of things. That's part of the uh, letters that Paul wrote to a protege named Timothy. He said, don't have anything to do with those arguments, or he's called some of them wives' tales. And, and we just start believing things that are what-ifs, and maybes, and whatabouts, and could this be, and could it have gone, and could it have happened. Let's stand on the God who is, who was, and always shall be. And see if that brings rest to our souls. Sometimes we think, man, I've got to do it alone. I've got to do it on my own. Man, I've got to do all this. I've got to, I've got to do it on my own. Maybe you need someone else to help you carry for a while. But we, we're not. That, that was what Moses had to learn it that way. He did, he was, he, Jethro came to him in Exodus 18. So this do it alone on my own, that's like an, a bad belief. And it will create a burden. It will not give us soul rest. A lot of the problems we have and the burdens we carry, if we would embrace the true meaning of the church, that we're all burden bearers and we all carry and encourage and help one another through financial tough times, through disease, through adversity, and we would embrace the genius of the we part of Christianity, so many of our 
our burdens would be cut down and our rest at the soul level would go up. We, the spirit of the age teaches us we have to do it with anger, do it with harshness, do it with manipulation. And, and you know, anger is a burden to carry. Man, if I'm trying to manipulate you, God, that is crazy burdensome. But if I don't do it with anger or harshness, they won't listen. If I don't manipulate them, I won't get what I want. Man, that's, a, that's not a good yoke to carry. That's like, uh, that's, not, that's not the way of Jesus. Th- those are just some examples. And I thought, you know, I'll even add, I'll, I'll throw up some questions that might further help you and I understand bad beliefs that are creating unhealthy, not of God, burdens. Where am I drawing affirmation? Everybody gets affirmation from somewhere. We're wired to need it. You know why we're wired to need it? Because after every day of creation, our Father, our God said, and the Lord saw that it was good. And he took Adam and Eve, male and female, he created them, and he blessed them. Jesus started his ministry when? After he got affirmation from the Father and the Spirit at his baptism, Matthew 3. So we're wired to need affirmation. Nothing wrong with needing affirmation. Where do we get it? From our performance? From what people say about us? From a fashion fad that we've adopted and people, ooh, ah. How about the affirmation of you're loved by God and he died for you so he could call you his son or daughter and that'll never change. Another question is, what's my scoreboard or my definition of success? I I tell people all the time, uh, we get handed a definition of success. Parents do it. Authority figures do it. Culture, society give us a scoreboard. This scoreboard is how we keep score. Did Jesus teach us this definition or the world? Because if you get affirmation from the wrong place, or you keep score the wrong way, then not the way, even not the way of Jesus. No rest in that. No rest in that. And then we ask ourselves, just after you ask yourself these two questions, here's the final one. Did I learn that from Jesus? Husbands, did I learn how to do marriage from Jesus? Did I learn how to Am I learning? Am I think? Am I learning about sexuality from Jesus? Am I running my business? Did I learn how to do that from Jesus? Am I learning? Did I do, where did I learn how to do relationships? Where did I under? Where did I get that relationships were be were kind of quid pro quo? Or man, if there's not anger involved, you're not going to get. It's not going to work out. Or where did I learn to hold a grudge? Where did I learn not to forgive? Where, where did I learn? You know, did I learn that from Jesus? And when you, say, when you realize you didn't, that's when you come to him and you say, I can't. So you come to me, he says, here's the invitation. All of you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Would you bow and pray with me? 
online and all six locations. I'm just going to be quiet, give you a chance to talk to God. Some of you, you need to give God your attention and just tell him you can't and you want to learn from him. And you specify what and where. Some of us will need to repent of bad belief. God will not bless bad belief. Some of us just need to come to him. Maybe for the first time. Come to him because you're weary and burdened. Admit you're a sinner in need of a savior. Give Jesus your sins and give him the steering wheel of your life. Tell him, hey, Jesus, from this day forward, as best I know how, I'm going to follow you. And I'm going to learn from you. And I want to love you back because you first loved me. Just have some time to sit with Jesus right now. Hear the invitation. Come to me. Come to me. God, I thank you in the name of Jesus you've heard us. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.